Okay, so welcome everyone. We're here to study the Visuddhi Manga. We are at chapter four. Robin, you want to just start us, uh, introduce us? Sure, we're on chapter four on page 154 and section 172. And Adam, I'm not sure, um, are you able to read with us today? Looks like you you've got yourself muted. That's that's okay if you um if you aren't able to read today, that's fine. If you uh, wanted to, just unmute yourself and we'll know. Um, otherwise, Aurora, can you start with one seventy two? Now, as to mindful and fully aware, here he remembers. Thus he is mindful. He has full awareness. Thus he is fully aware. This is mindfulness and full awareness stated as personal attributes. Herein, mindfulness has the characteristic of remembering. Its function is not to forget. It is manifested as guarding. Full awareness has the characteristic of non-confusion. Its function is to investigate. It is manifested as scrutiny. Thank you. Dan, are you able to read 173? No, I'm not there yet. I'm still looking. Oh, okay. We'll catch you next time around. What we do is we just um, kind of go down the list and, and people take turns reading. So we'll catch you next time around. Um, and David, you just popped in. We're on page 154 on 173. Glenn, are you able to read that one? Herein, although this mindfulness and this full awareness exists in the earlier jhanas as well, for one who is forgetful and not fully aware, does not attain even access, let alone absorption. Yet because of the comparative grossness of those jhanas, the mind's going is easy there, like that of a man on level ground, and so the functions of mindfulness and full awareness are not evident in him. But it is only stated here because the subtlety of this jhana, which is due to the abandoning of the gross factors, requires that the mind's going always includes the function of mindfulness and full awareness, like that of a man on a razor's edge. I um, just wanted to give a little note here about actually 172. Um, we can see that actually the word, here's a, good example of how the word mindfulness is a poor translation of sati. Sata means one who is mindful, but it actually means it's sati plus a, so it should be, well, so that that comes from the word sati. Uh, but the word mindful is obviously a problem. It, it is actually clearly having to do with memory and not what we understand to be mindfulness. And Except um, in the sense that the word mindfulness is our ability to remember ourselves. Our ability, mindfulness is, in a sense, our ability to... Uh, well, it's just a poor... It's just not, not exact. Remembrance is, is clear because sati can have to do with remembering things in the past as well. Except here it means the ability to not, not lose track of uh, the jhana itself. Anyway, I guess it's not that bad of a word. It's just not exact. Well, thank you for clarifying that, Bhante. 
What is more, just as a calf that follows a cow returns to the cow when taken away from her, if not prevented, so too, when the third jhana is led away from happiness, it would return to happiness if not prevented by mindfulness and full awareness and would re rejoin happiness. And besides, beings are greedy for bliss, and this kind of bliss is exceedingly sweet, since there is none greater. But here there is non-greed for the bliss owing to the influence of the mindfulness and full awareness, not for any other reason. And so it should also be understood that it is stated only here in order to emphasize this meaning too. Sanka, can you read 175? Hello, uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, sorry, I just couldn't find my press button. It was hidden behind the window. Okay. Um, now as to the clause, he feels bliss uh, with his body. Here, although in one actually possessed of the jhana there, is no concern about feeling bliss. Nevertheless, he would feel the bliss associated with his mental body and after emerging from the jhana he would also feel bliss since his material body would have been affected by the exceedingly superior method originated by that bliss associated with that mental body. It is in order to point to this meaning that the words he feels bliss with, with his body are said. Now, as to the clause that on account of which the noble ones announce, it dwells in bliss who has equanimity and is mindful. Here it is the jhana on account of which is called, which as cause, on account of which as reason, the noble ones that is to say, the enlightened ones, etc., announce, teach, declare, establish, reveal, expound, explain, clar clarify. That person who, who possess the third jhana they praise is what is intended. Why? Because he dwells in bliss, which has equanimity and is mindful. He enters upon the dwells in that third jhana. Is how the construction should be understood here. But why do they praise him thus? because he is worthy of praise. For this man is worthy of praise since he has equanimity towards the third jhana. Though it possesses exceedingly sweet bliss and has reached the perfection of bliss, and he is not drawn towards it by a liking for the bliss. And he is mindful with the mindfulness established in order to prevent the arising of happiness. And he feels with his mental body the undefiled bliss, beloved of noble ones, 
cultivated by noble ones. Because he is worthy of praise in this way, it should be understood, noble ones praise him with the words, he dwells in bliss, who has equanimity and is mindful, thus declaring the special qualities that are worthy of praise. Third, it is the third in the numerical series, and it is third because it is entered upon third. Then it was said, which abandons one factor possesses two factors. Here the abandoning of one factor should be understood as the abandoning of happiness. But that is abandoned only at the moment of absorption, as applied thought and sustained thought are at that of the second jhana. Hence it is called its factor of abandoning. Thank you, Aurora. Dan, could you read 179? Okay. The possession of the two factors should be understood as the arising of the two, namely bliss and unification. So when it is said in the Vibhanga Jhana, equanimity, mindfulness, full awareness, bliss, unification of mind. This is said figuratively in order to show that Jhana with its equipment but accepting the equanimity and mindfulness and full awareness, this jhana has literally only two factors, qua factors, that have attained to the characteristic of lighting. According, as it is said, what is the jhana of two factors on that occasion? It is bliss and unification of mind. The rest is as in the case in as is in the case of the first jhana. 'Once this has been obtained in this way, and once he has mastery in the five ways already described, and on emerging from the now familiar third jhana, he can regard the flaws in it thus. This attainment is threatened by the nearness of happiness. Whatever there is in it of mental concern about bliss proclaims its grossness. And its factors are weakened by the grossness of the bliss so expressed. He can bring forth the fourth jhana to mind as quieter and so end his attachment to the third jhana and set about doing what is needed for attainment of the fourth. When he has emerged from the third jhana, the bliss, in other words, the mental joy, appears gross to him as he reviews the jhana factors with mindfulness and full awareness, while the equanimity as feeling and the unification of mind appear peaceful. Then as he brings that same sign to mind as earth, earth, again and again with the purpose of abandoning the gross factor and obtaining the peaceful factors, knowing, now the fourth jhana will arise. There arises in him mind door averting with that same earth casina as its object, interrupting the life continuum. After that, either four or five impulses impel on that same object, the last one of which is an impulsion of the fine material sphere according to the fourth jhana. The rests are of the kinds already stated. But there is this difference, blissful, pleasant feeling is not a condition, as repetition condition, for neither painful nor pleasant feeling. 
and the preliminary work must be aroused in the case of fourth jhana with neither painful nor pleasant feeling. Consequently, this consciousness of preliminary, uh, preliminary work are associated with neither painful nor pleasant feeling, and here happiness vanishes simply owing to their association with equanimity. The fourth, the fourth jhana, and at this point, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, and with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, he enters upon and dwells in the fourth jhana, which has either pain nor pleasure, and has purity of mindfulness due to equanimity, and so he has attained the fourth jhana, which abundance one factor, possess two factors, is good in three ways, possess ten characteristics, and is of the earth casina. Herein, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, means with the abandoning of bodily pleasure and bodily pain. With the previous, means which took place before, not in the moment of the fourth jhana. Disappearance of joy and grief means with the previous disappearance of the two, that is mental bliss and mental pain, with the abandoning is what is meant. But when does the abandoning of these take place? At the moment of access of the four jhanas. For mental joy is only abandoned at the moment of the fourth jhana access, while bodily pain, mental grief, and bodily bliss, pleasure, are abandoned respectively at the moments of access of the first, second, and third jhanas. So although the order in which they are abandoned is not actually mentioned, nevertheless the abandoning of the pleasure, pain, joy, and grief is stated here according to the order in which the faculties are summarized in the Indriya Vibhanga. Thank you. Dan, can you read 186? Okay, thank you. Sorry. And I apologize for talking over someone else in my last reading. But if these are only abandoned at the moments of access of the several jhanas, why is their cessation said to take place in the jhana itself in the following passage? And where does the arisen pain faculty cease without remainder? Here, bhikkhus, quite secluded from sense desires, secluded from unprofitable things, a bhikkhu enters upon and dwells in the first jhana, which is born of seclusion. It is here that the arisen pain faculty ceases without remainder. Where does the arisen grief faculty cease without remainder in the second jhana? Where does the arisen pleasure faculty cease without remainder in the third jhana? Where does the arisen joy faculty cease without remainder? Here, bhikkhus, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, and with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, a bhikkhu enters upon and dwells in the fourth jhana, which has mindfulness purified by equanimity. It is here that the arisen joy faculty ceases without remainder. It is said in that it is said in that way they are referring to reinforce cessation. 
for in the first jhana, etc., it is their reinforced cessation, not just their cessation, that takes place. At the moment of access, it is just their cessation, not, not their reinforced cessation that takes place. For accordingly, during the first jhana access, which has multiple adverting, there could be re-arising of the bodily pain faculty due to contact with gadflies, flies, and so on, or the discomfort of an uneven seat, though that pain faculty had already ceased, but not so during absorption, or else, though it has ceased during access, it has not absolutely ceased there since it is not quite beaten out by opposition. But during absorption, the whole body is showered with bliss owing to pervasion by happiness, and the pain faculty has absolutely ceased in one whose body is showered with bliss since it is beaten out then by opposition. And during the second jhana, access two, which has multiple advertings, there could be re-arising of the mental grief faculty, although it had already ceased there, because it arises when there is bodily weariness and mental vexation, which have applied thought and sustained thought as their condition. But it does not arise when applied and sustained thought are absent. When it arises, it does so in the presence of applied and sustained thought, and they are not abandoned in the second jhana axis. But this is not so in the second jhana itself, because its conditions are abandoned there. Likewise, in the third jhana axis, there could be re-arising of the abandoned bodily pressure faculty in one whose body was pervaded, pervaded by the superior materiality originated by the consciousness associated with the happiness. But not so in the third jhana itself. For in the third jhana, the happiness that is a condition for the bodily bliss pressure has ceased entirely. Likewise, in the fourth jhana, access there could be re-arising of the abandoned mental joy faculty because of its nearness and because it has not been properly surmounted owing to the absence of economy brought to absorption strength. Uh, but not so in the fourth jhana itself. And that is why in each case, the words without remainder are included thus. It is here that uh, the recent pain faculty ceases without remainder. Here it may be asked when if these kind of feelings are abandoned in the asses in this way, why are they brought in here? It is done so. It is done so that they can be readily grasped, grasped for the either painful nor pleasant feeling described here by the words, which has neither pain nor pleasure, is subtle, hard to recognize, and not readily grasped. So just as when a cattle herd wants to catch a refractory ox that cannot be caught at all by approaching it 
it collects all the cattle into open pen and let them out one by one. And then he says, that is it, catch it. And so it gets caught as well. So too, the blessed one has collected all these five kinds of feeling together so that they can be grasped readily or when they are shown collected together in this way. Then what is not bodily pleasure, bliss, or bodily pain, or mental joy, or mental grief can be can still be grasped in this way. This is neither painful nor pleasant feeling. And we often get these sort of um, passages that we've seen several already. This is dealing with controversy. And a lot of this has been dealing with controversies you can see as we've gone through. Like here the problem is, well, why? It's a question as to why the Buddha is talking about um, pain when pain has already disappeared. Or, you know, why is he talking about feelings that, why is he saying they're all removed? And so it's an explanation of, of why that is. I'm, I'm not sure how clear this sort of, um, the reason for this sort of paragraph is to everyone. Uh, but a lot of this is, is the commentary trying to uh, clear up questions that they had. Some of them are fairly esoteric, the questions. Some of them I don't even quite understand. But this one is, is just saying, it's, an, it's interesting actually, a lot of it, or many of them are, um, they, they give uh, sort of insight into teaching methods. You know, why would the Buddha, why did the Buddha express it in this way? And giving some insight into possible reasons why the Buddha, uh, his choice of words. And they nitpick, as you can see, they, they break it up into individual words. Why did he use this word? Why did he say this exactly? Here he's, it, it, it is, I think it's a good explanation. It makes sense, and it's not something I would have thought of. That uh, you know, why is he mentioning all the feelings? Well, it's to to show that that there, it's a figure of speech to show that uh, all the feelings are gone. You know, not just some of them, but all the feelings are gone except for a neither pleasant nor painful feeling. That's why he mentions pain as well, and so on. Bhante, can I just ask, back in 189, where it said, towards the end, um, in the fourth jhana, it is here that the arisen pain faculty ceases without remainder. Does that literally mean in the fourth jhana, a person wouldn't feel any pain, no matter how intense, like if they were suddenly, you know, sitting in a fire or something? Yes, I actually think he's saying, um, if you look at, I think it was a footnote, maybe footnote 49, but he is... I could not sure exactly where it is, but he is saying, I think that even in the first jhana, there is no pain. And yes, if you were in a fire, there's a, an example of uh, monks sitting in fire or getting attacked. And there's an example in the Visuddhimagga of a monk. Once we get into the magical powers, you'll see that monks who uh, were in forest fires or so on were not hurt if they, were in the, if they entered into jhanas. So even physically, their bodies would not be burned? That's right. That's amazing. 
Yeah, they say things like that. Like there was this novice who entered into the the first jhana or one of the jhanas uh, just as he was about to be killed by some thieves and and some bandits and the blade uh, bent back on itself. wouldn't enter into the novice's body so they couldn't kill him. They tried several times to kill him with this knife and the blade kept folding on them. So that's the belief. No, this is what they say happened. So the truth, I don't know. But that's the, the uh, tradition. Bante, uh, as I have said, uh, I have heard uh, it is the Nirodha Samapati that has uh, that power. Uh, when you enter to fourth jhana, I think uh, only uh, anagami, if, uh, anagami individuals and arahats can perform that that's possibly true I'm just a second there's somewhere where it says that there's no pain in any of the jhanas so yeah maybe the body could be hurt but there would be no experience of it I think during the jhanas it might pull you out of the jhana though Because that is when they can stay for about a week without any food or water. I think you can enter the jhanas for a week. I'm not sure. Isn't it? No idea, man. Yeah, in, in 187 it says that no um, pain can arise during access concentration of the first jhana. It's not so during absorption, meaning during the absorption there will be no pain. Pretty sure that's clear. I mean, absorption concentration is one type of consciousness. That's why it's absorption. The consciousness doesn't change. Every moment is the same type of concentration. The first jhana has pleasure. Um, Somanasa. So yeah, there's only one kind of first jhana consciousness. There's no pain, not possible. But access is still possible. Bodily pain, anyway. I guess that explains why people can sit in the full lotus position for so long, then. Yeah, it's uh, with samatha meditation, those things. I mean, I can sit an hour in in a full lotus position doing vipassana, but... Um, and they could sit days and if I were to do all day lotus position I wouldn't be able to do it the next day whereas in Samatha meditation you can sit back straight full lotus position and never suffer the suffer bad consequences from it it's just the intensity of the concentration I don't think it's quite exactly that either it's the fact that the mind is so calm and the body is therefore so calm that there's no stress you know and there's no movement, so there's no uh, stress put on the joints. Uh, so it's not just that you don't feel the pain, it's that you're not stressing the body as you would in Vipassana meditation. There's no tension, um, there's no distraction in the mind, and that kind of thing. That makes sense.
Bhante, can you read 191? Besides, this may be understood as said in order to show the condition for the neither painful nor pleasant mind deliverance. For the abandoning of bodily pain, etc., are conditions for that, according as it is said, there are four conditions, friend, for the attainment of neither pleasant, painful nor pleasant mind deliverance. Here, friend, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, and with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, Abhiku enters upon and dwells in the fourth jhana, equanimity. These are the four conditions for the attainment of the neither painful nor pleasant mind deliverance. Alternatively, just as although mistaken view of individuality, etc., have already been abandoned in the earlier paths, they are nevertheless mentioned as abandoned in the description of the third path for the purpose of recommending it. So too, these kinds of feeling can be understood as mentioned here for the purpose of recommending this jhana. Or alternatively, they can be understood as mentioned for the purpose of showing that greed and hate are very far away owing to the removal of their conditions. Four of these, pleasure, bliss is a condition for joy, and joy for greed. Pain is a condition for grief, and grief for hate. So with the removal of pleasure, bliss, etc., greed and hate are very far away, since they are removed along with their conditions. Which has neither pain nor pleasure, no pain owing to absence of pain, no pleasure owing to absence of pleasure, bliss. By this he indicates the third kind of feeling that is in opposition both to pain and to pleasure, not the mere absence of pain and pleasure. This third kind of feeling, named neither pain nor pleasure, is also called equanimity. It has a characteristic of experiencing what is contrary to both the desirable and the undesirable. Its function is neutral. Its manifestation is unevident. Its proximate cause should be understood as a cessation of pleasure, bliss. And has purity of mindfulness due to equanimity? Has purity of mindfulness brought about by equanimity? For the mindfulness in this jhana is quite purified, and its purification is affected by equanimity, not by anything else. That is why it is said to have purity of mindfulness due to equanimity. Also, it is said in the Vibhanga, this mindfulness is cleared, purified, clarified by equanimity. Hence, it is said to have purity of mindfulness due to equanimity. And the equanimity due to which there comes to be this purity of mindfulness should be understood as specific neutrality in meaning. And not only mindfulness is purified by it here, but also all associated states. However, the teaching is given under the heading of mindfulness. Herein, this equanimity exists in the lower three jhanas too, but just as although a crescent moon exists by day, but is not purified or clear since it is outshone by the sun's radiance in the daytime, or since it is deprived of the night, which is its ally owing to gentleness and owing to helpfulness to it, so too this crescent moon of equanimity consisting in specific neutrality, exists in the first jhana, etc. But it is not purified since it is outshone by the glare of the opposing states, consisting in applied thought, etc. And since it is deprived of the night of equanimity as feeling for its ally, and because it is not purified, the 
conescent mindfulness and other states are not purified either, like the unpurified crescent moon's radiance by day. That is why no one among these first three jhanas is said to have purity of mindfulness due to equanimity, because here this crescent moon consisting in specific neutrality is utterly pure because it is not outshone by the glare of the opposing states consisting in applied thought, etc., and because it has the night of equanimity as feeling for its ally. And since it is purified, the conascent mindfulness and other states are purified and clear also, like the purified crescent moon's radiance. That, it should be understood, is why only this jhana is said to have purity of mindfulness due to equanimity. Fourth, it is fourth in numerical series, and it is fourth because it is entered upon fourth. Then, then it was said, which abandons one factor, possess two factors. Here, the abandoning of the one factor should be understood as the abandoning of joy. But that joy is actually abandoned in the first impulsions of the same cognitive series. Hence, it is called its factor of abandoning. The process of the two factors should be understood as the arising of the two, namely equanimity as feeling and unification of mind. The rest is as stated in the case of the first jhana. This, in the first place, is according to the powerful reckoning of jhana. When, however, he is developing fivefold jhana, then, on emerging from the now familiar first jhana, he can regard the flaws in it in this way. This attainment is threatened by the nearness of the hindrances, and its factors are weakened by the grossness of applied thought. He can bring the second jhana to mind as quieter, and so end his attachment to the first jhana, and set about doing what is needed for attaining the second. So the point is, again, just to re recap, the fivefold jhana separates the first two factors and, and delimits them one by one. What he's saying here is that you can uh, you can practice either way, so you can go directly to the the jhana without that has lost two factors, or here you can remove the factors one by one. Now he emerges from the first jhana mindfully and fully aware, and only applied thought appears gross to him as he reviews the jhana factors, while the sustained thought, etc., appear peaceful. Then, as he brings that same sign to mind as earth, earth, again and again, with the purpose of abandoning the gross factor and obtaining the peaceful factors, the second jhana arises in him in the way already described. Its factors of abandoning is applied thought only. We're beginning with sustained thought are the factors that it possesses. The rest is as already stated. 
So that which is the second in the fourfold reckoning becomes the second and third in the fivefold reckoning by being divided into two. And those which are the third and fourth in the former reckoning become the fourth and fifth in this reckoning. The first remains the first in each case. The fourth chapter, called The Description of the Earth Casina in the Treatise on the Development of Concentration in the Path of Purification, composed for the purpose of gladdening good people. I think we might have missed a couple. Um, I think we might have missed uh, 200. Could, could you go back to 200? Okay. When this has been obtained in this way, and once he has mastery in the five ways already described, then on emerging from the now familiar second jhana, he can regard the flaws in it this way. This attainment is threatened by the nearness of applied thought, and its factors are weakened by the grossness of sustained thought. He can bring the third jhana to mind as quieter, and so end his attachment to the second jhana, and set about doing what is needed for attaining the third. Now he emerges from the second jhana mindfully and fully aware. Only sustained thought appears gross to him as he reviews the jhana factors, while happiness, etc., appear peaceful. Then as he brings that same sign to mind as earth, earth, again and again with the purpose of abandoning the gross factors and obtaining the peaceful factors, the third jhana arises in him in the way already described. Its factors of abandoning is sustained thought only. The three beginning with happiness, as in the second jhana, in the fourfold reckoning, are the factors that it possesses. The rest is as already stated. So that which is the second in the fourfold reckoning becomes the second and third in the fivefold reckoning by being divided into two, and those which are the third and fourth in the former reckoning become the fourth and fifth in this reckoning. The first remains the first in each case. The fourth chapter called The Description of the Earth Casina in the Treatise of the Development of Concentration in the Path of Purification, composed for the purpose of gladdening good people. I can't believe we got through another chapter. That's awesome. Well, that one was a tough one as well. That's, as I said, the, the example chapter. So we're not going to have to go through all the jhanas for the other 39 meditation types should be a lot more streamlined and more directly related to talking about each of the meditation practices. Still detailed, but it'll be more, a little more interesting, I suppose. I mean, this is interesting for people wanting to really understand the four jhanas. That's about the best you're going to get as far as a detailed explanation of how to, how to achieve the four jhanas. But as to how to actually practice the meditation. It's only obviously a small part of this chapter, so we'll see that the rest of the chapter should be a little, a little easier going, I think. Anyway, I guess we'll stop short there and come back in 10 minutes for Polly. Sounds good. Thank you.